Hello and welcome to episode number 99 of Bleeding Blue. We are very close to number 100, which is exciting. And with me today, I have Snacks and David. And what we are doing today is we are going to start the next chapter for Bleeding Blue. Officially, we have rewatched the 2011 Week 14 matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys of Dallas. So you want to know what? Without further ado... Let's bleed blue. Mm. Fellas, I'm not good at intros anymore because Bobby has uh, stripped that ability from me and that uh, potential for me to actually say intros. But we are back, and I am excited to say that this is officially the beginning of the next chapter for Bleeding Blue. It's going to no longer be like a news show. I know David and Snacks had their episode doing the draft. They wanted to kind of uh, keep the stream and keep the subscribers updated and just keep Bleeding Blue somewhat relevant. And uh, I, also, we had our episode back in January where we actually talked about this. Well, we're not talking about it anymore. We're actually here and we're actually doing it. So, Snacks, how are you doing? You're the first person that's listed on my screen. How are you doing today, I, right now? I am doing well. Right here, right now, I'm doing well. Um, I've had some agita today, but we're working past that. We're, yeah, we're you've had some who? That. Some agita. You never heard of agita? Heartburn. Oh. Oh boy, was that okay. was that Yiddish? Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's not. Um, Justin, but Ajit is like super, like a like a super you word to know. You're like, yeah. Hey. How do you not know? You like live in New Jersey. You know what? David does this shit to me all the time on Bleeding Blue, where he'll bring in SAT words, and I don't even fucking right. know. Ajit is so, not an SAT word. If you think Ajit is on the SAT, I want you to do me a favor and go back and take the SAT, and then you come and report back to me. Well, it sounds like it's Yiddish. All right. You know, I think it might be. I'm doing be. well. Thanks for asking. I'm doing well. No problem. David. <laughs> a little bit worse now, though. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm doing well. Um, I'm going to keep this very dumbed down for you, Justin, because apparently my vocabulary is just too <laughs> extravagant too for you to understand. <laughs> you do know now for the next, like, 50 minutes, I'm just going to try to put as many really big words I can think of. I already have dictionary.com up. <laughs> no, uh, seriously, I'm I'm doing well. I I think it's really funny that this took us like four months to get off the ground. We talked about it a long time ago, but I am really excited to get started. Uh, I also think it's really funny how we decided to start a new segment at episode ninety nine, not a hundred ninety nine. Mm, mm, that's a very good point. Very it's not a segment. It's a show. The new show. It's it's a new show. Episode 100 is going to be the episode that's going to be like, wow, you know, people are going to want to go back and listen to this, you know, maybe 15, 10 years from now. So we need to make sure that we get 100 totally down. This may okay. be a mess, this episode. I this see. may be a mess because okay. no other Giants podcast has attempted to kind of retell a game like this. I mean, number one, it's useful because it's quarantine. 
And then number two, I'm trying to just do more things as I, you know, as I'm growing in my Giants content creation. So nobody has really ever done this before. I mean, obviously people have rewatched games before, but doing it through like this podcast manner, I don't think anybody has done it. I am not going to 100% say definitively nobody has done it, but I don't think anybody has done it. So I'm going to give myself uh, credit and pat myself on the back and call myself the best. I don't have that soundbite up. I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. I'm the best. There you go. Great. Great impersonation. <laughs> so, you. yes, everybody, fellas, we are going back to 2011. Get back in your time machines. We're going back to week 14. Uh, must win ball game for the New York football giants of this 2011 season. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Um, do who it. wants to start? Um, I figured we're going to kind of do this in multiple different segments. Obviously I've talked to you, both of you about the different segments and how we're actually going to organize this a bunch of different times, but for everybody else, we're going to kind of stick to before the game, the context of what was happening around the Giants' season in 2011. Uh, maybe look at some Vegas lines, the over unders, talk about that and whatnot matchups, and then we'll get into the game. And then, you know, after, you know, once we actually talk about the actual game, we'll give like our awards of giant shithead of the week, um, who gets our game ball and some other funny tidbit stuff. And that's how we'll wrap up with some fun sound bites and radio calls throughout the entire episode. So who wants to start with like their before the game thoughts, context, whether it's you personally or whether it's like media bringing in like a media member, go for it. I had the pleasure of rewatching this entire 2011 season. I, I actually did it while I was attempting to, to work from home. And coming into this game, I think a lot of people forget the Giants were on a four-game losing streak. They had just surrendered. I, I didn't do the math in my head because I'm bad at math, but they had surrendered something ridiculous like 85 points in the previous two games to the Packers and the Saints. Which, understandable, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, they were both having MVP caliber seasons. But this team was coming in absolutely reeling after a pretty solid start. I think they, they started 6-6, six and 6-2, six, uh, six and two, I'm sorry. They come into this game at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Dallas is obviously one game ahead of them in the division. They're 7-5. and five. Um, and, we, and we all know that they have another meeting coming up, I think, in three weeks, which is going to ultimately be the, the game for the NFC East. But coming into this game, I mean, the Giants are extremely injured. Their offensive line is a mess. Um, their running game is a mess. Their secondary is a mess. Mm -hmm. And the Cowboys, as Jason Witten points out in his pregame interview with Michelle Tafoya, because this game was a Sunday night game, so you have Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya. Michelle Tafoya interviews Jason Witten before the game, and he actually says that it was the healthiest they had been in basically the entire season. One of the Dallas beat writers also said the same thing, that everybody was healthy. I'm going to get to why that guy was such an asshole in, in, in a few minutes, but yes, <laughs> I will also confirm that also my, my pregame research showed the same thing, that Dallas was like 100% ready to rock and roll. This, I mean, this game saw, was, was probably, for a Cowboys fan coming in, the biggest news that they had had in some time, Miles Austin was had been injured for weeks prior to this game. He was healthy. Um, they they were the healthiest you could possibly be in Week 14, and the Giants were coming in limping, four game losing streak, getting obliterated by team. Well, not obli they, they didn't get obliterated by the Packers. They actually played them really tough. But I mean, they should have won that game. But yeah. giving giving up tons of points against the team that was known for putting up points, and Going in opposite directions, and it looked like the Cowboys were going to take 
take control of this division and this magical run that we know is coming never would have happened. So coming into the game, I think that's that that's kind of where where your head is at. You remember the last time this team won a football game was a really really cool game for Giants fans in Week Nine when the Giants went to New England and beat the Patriots, and really everything was great in Giants land. And now we're five weeks later, and shit has hit the fan. They were still five hundred at that point. They were six yeah, and six. Right, but they were six and two at one point, and that's just right. it's it's classic Tom Coughlin teams where mm-hmm. they get off the hot starts, and then they reel for a little while, and when they had to win a game, they somehow pulled it out. Um, David, I'm I'm going to jump in if you don't mind. This was honestly as big of a roller coaster year as maybe any that I've been a part of as a fan. Just for the simple fact is people don't realize how good Eli was and how bad everything else was. Yep. Their defense was an atrocity, <laughs> literal, a literal atrocity. Their offensive line was an atrocity. Everything else was an atrocity. And he had this team in prime position to win the division, which they went on and did. So coming in as underdogs, Justin Wright, between, it was the line was between minus three, minus four and a half Dallas. Yep. Um, which is about right, but it also shows that maybe Vegas knew that Dallas wasn't as big of a threat to the Giants as you know some may have seen because you get three points for playing at home, and they were not much more than that. So um, on paper, I guess we should this should have been a competitive game, which obviously it was, and we'll you know we'll talk about that. Um, but when Jason Witten says before the game as a fan and you're watching, he goes, "Yeah, this is the healthiest we've been." all year you're going there thinking well <laughs> fuck <laughs> i mean in a in a must-win game you got nobody banged up on a very star-studded cowboys team you have a mod bradshaw in the doghouse who played what i think maybe eight snaps the whole game like that's one of our better offensive players so it just seemed going into it everything was working against us between the losing and the health of the cowboys and just our team overall it just did not look good it spelt it was a recipe for disaster all right, so I have some Cowboys fan-sided writer, uh, writers uh, tidbits, and I also Fuck have uh, Bleacher Report's <laughs> Louis Musto. Anybody ever heard of him? Louis Luis Musto. Um, he actually picked a 37-34 to 34 final score uh, with the Giants winning, and he was oh, only like one guy. point off. Wow. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. That's pretty impressive. Wait, how is he no. one point off? Oh what wait, no. Oh wait, score? no. It must have, it must have been thirty eight to thirty four. My bad. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say because uh, the, the, it was thirty seven thirty four. All right. <laughs> yeah. So he he was one point off. He Don't picked thirty eight thirty four. Now, well, yeah, I made a mistake. Fuck me. Um. <laughs> so, seven of the ten Cowboys fan sided writers writers actually picked the Cowboys. Now, I want to say how much of an asshole is this guy? We're going to call him out. Jonathan Barger. He's a staff writer. Cowboys versus Giants, what a show. And this is from his this is from that blog of like them all them all predicting the games. Cowboys versus Giants, what a show. It's a big game. Both sides know it. This is the game where Rob Ryan takes off the gloves, gets his hands dirty. Eli Manning is going to wish he stopped playing football after Ryan throws the kitchen sink at him. Offensively, the Cowboys are about as stacked as they will ever get. Everyone is healthy. The big name that returns is Miles Austin, but the most important is Tony Fiametta. Never heard of that guy. Fullback. Oh, fullback. DeMarco Murray will have a 
We'll have a field day behind the blocks of Fiametta, and this will allow Romo to have a mediocre fantasy game, but an excellent game in terms of QBR. What an asshole. He will not have to make the risky throws and will have the benefit of play action aiding his game. This game is going to set the tone for the postseason role. Cowboys 31, Giants 17, and this is what makes it the worst. After the game, Garrett pats Coughlin too hard on the back and his bitterness and immaturity cause him to lash out in retaliation. Or am I confusing him for the whiny Jim Schwartz? What a fucking Wait, wow, asshole. Man. Wow. Right, hold on, hold on. Is this guy hold still on. have a job? I well, hope not. That's besides the point. How do you spell Jonathan? J-O-N-A-T-H-O-N? This guy, um, I just went back. He probably doesn't um, spell it with an H. It's probably J-O-N. Because that's just like a him thing to do. It's Jonathan without the H. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So spell it out loud. I'm going to find him on Twitter real quick. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. A-T-H-A-N. Barger. B-A-R-G-E. E-R. He might have uh, went into the abyss after that game. I mean, that yeah, would make sense. Just after that one game. He really said that about the end with the fucking... He did, about the handshake, which that's oh, the most... I mean, I get it if you're... God. I mean, he was not He was not short on his word requirement um, with his prediction <laughs> of that game. So he clearly just included that at the end to be an asshole. Well, what's really funny is he, he mentions... Um, he mentions Rob Ryan throwing the kitchen sink at Eli Manning. You know what he that did. kitchen that kitchen <laughs> sink that Rob Ryan did throw at Eli Manning behind a bad offensive line managed zero sacks in this game. He didn't get sacked once, David. Nope, not no, one time. He did not. Behind Mitch Petras, Kevin Booth playing like his second game ever as center. And he got Kevin Booth. There was a play. There was a play. I, I, I'll i just say it right now because you brought up Kevin Booth. We'll, we'd probably go back to it. But in the third quarter, uh, or maybe second, whatever it was, it was third and two. Ahmad Bradshaw finally in the game. And Kevin Booth got absolutely blown up. Blown up. <laughs> he was so they all did. He, he had the fattest ass in football at the yep, time. Yep, fattest <laughs> ass in NFL history. By far the fattest ass in NFL history. And couldn't block a soul that game. So uh, Jonathan Booger was was like kind of right in the fact that DeMarco Murray would eat us up and Roma would have his way. He did. They yeah. did. They did. But what, we, what we'll get into are some key plays that caused the Cowboys to lose this game. So, Justin, go ahead. Yeah, that's it's unreal because deal against DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware was at a point where it's I'm sorry, you know, David Deal was a was a pretty I would say good to average tackle, but why you love David Deal is that he can go anywhere and he played anywhere and everywhere. That's why I feel like Giants fans love David Deal. He wasn't the best like all pro tackle, but DeMarcus Ware was just at a point in his career where it didn't matter who was going up against him. He was the best. He was, he was just going to Yes. Yes. They actually said they actually him. say on they say on the NBC broadcast, um, Demarcus Ware was at that point in the season was wet, was on pace to tie Michael Strahan's sack record that season. Yeah, he was at I I want to say seventeen and a half sacks in week fourteen. Crazy. Crazy. So overall, in terms of other you know people around the country that are you know that are trying to pick this game, there were more people than I than I thought. Uh, that they actually did pick the Giants, including Peter King, who actually said Ahmad Bradshaw was going to be the difference in that game. But as we all know, Tom Coughlin had other plans for Ahmad Bradshaw because there was some sort of team violation. It might have been curfew. Curfew. I'm saying that it was it was curfew. It Thank was you curfew, for confirming yeah. that, David. Or so he was four he actually, minutes late to a meeting instead of five. Well, there you go. There you go. Instead of he was four minutes early, late to early. a meeting. Oh, early. Meaning early. There you go. Sorry, saved it. 
saved yeah, it four I minutes did. early to a meeting instead of five. So yes. he missed the entire first half, um, Bradshaw did, and it was actually DJ Ware that actually started the game. So Peter King, uh, little did he know. But let's go. I want to go through this Lewis uh, Musto uh, article where he actually did pick the Giants to win. He was pretty spot on with the score. And what happens here is he basically goes through like this unit for the Giants and this unit for the Cowboys. And I have some fun Giants stats that are going to back some of this up that I included as well. Giants ground attack versus the Cowboys run defense. That's what they kind of started off this this article with. In Bleacher Report, they gave the nod to the Cowboys run defense versus the Giants ground attack because the Giants run game in 2011, you guys alluded to this a little earlier, but the Giants running game in 2011 was absolutely abysmal. Uh, they, were, they were last in the National Football League. That offensive line wasn't great. Mitch Petras was starting that game. Kevin Booth moved to center because David Boss was hurt. So let's talk about how much was the Giants running game a non-factor. Brandon Jacobs in 2011 did not have a rushing game where he had over five yards per attempt and more than 10 carries before the Cowboys game. Crazy. Bradshaw was the main guy that year, and Bradshaw had only two games where he averaged four yards per carry or more in 14 weeks. Yeah, but he didn't play in 14 games because both of these guys did miss games with injuries. That is so abysmal. No, it gets even better. And this was a, a graphic that Sunday Night Football included during the game. The Giants rushing offense from 2004 to 2010 averaged 4.6 yards per carry, which was best in the National Football League. In 2011, they averaged 3.3 yards per carry, which was last in the NFL. From 2004 to 2010, who says that, 2004? They averaged 133.7 <laughs> yards per game, which was second in the league over that stretch. And in 2011, they were last in the NFL with 83.8 yards per game. Fellas, uh, the Giants grounded pound and, you know, old old school Giants football. That wasn't really a thing in 2011. And now the next category they go to is Giants passing offense versus the Cowboys passing defense. A bleacher report obviously gave the nod to the Giants. There was only one game where Eli Manning had under 250 passing yards before week 14's matchup against the Cowboys in 2011. One game where he had under 250 passing yards before that week 14 matchup. And what's crazy about that is having we, – we might, you know, as time goes on, we might address more of the games from this season. But if you go back and watch a lot of these games in 2011, especially up to this point, because I feel like the games from uh, this Cowboys game going forward, basically everybody knows. they, they you, know, you know the Jets game. You know the other Cowboy game and obviously the playoffs. The games prior to this, I'd be curious to see – I didn't look at this, but – I would imagine that the Giants ranked somewhere near the top of the league in drop passes. Oh my God, David. I'm so glad you brought that up. Victor Cruz had, as much as I love them, had an enormous drop problem. Mario Manningham yes, had an enormous time. drop problem. And two in um, this game by both players. Two big drops. Yeah. This, this, this receiving core had a really hard time just catching the ball. And... There were multiple different times in this season where Eli Manning missed out on big completions, touchdowns, and I'm not just talking about the Mario Manningham one that happens in this game. Pr multiple occasions in multiple different games where Eli Manning does everything right and everything he can, mm -hmm. and the players on the other end just don't make the plays. So Eli Manning very well could have been the MVP in this season if he had the support that, the, that some of the other guys in the league had. I'm getting so annoyed. You keep saying what I'm about to say. I, you will not be able to convince me otherwise that Eli was the MVP of that, that football year. With everything else around him, what he had to work with, 
a historically bad defense, a historically bad run, uh, run offense coming back in the fourth quarter that many times, including this game. That guy was an absolute magician. He was, it, it was unbelievable. I've never seen, well, yeah, that was the only year Eli really played out of his mind, in my opinion, out of his mind. Agreed. I was gonna, Agreed. I was gonna save this for later, but this includes the Giants' win that they had. You know, Week 14, the game that we're talking about. Six of the seven wins that season by the end of the Week 14 matchup were on fourth quarter comebacks led by Crazy. Eli Manning. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. There's a point in this game. I, I think it's after the Cowboys' first touchdown. The Giants go down seven to five. Yes. That touchdown marked marked the fact that in every single game the Giants had played that year, they had trailed. Mm-hmm. Every yep. single game. And they would continue until week 17 against the Cowboys. That was the only game in this season oh, yeah. that they never trailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they beat the shit out of them. No wonder why it's such a fun time at that game. I was just dancing from start It to was end. a great time. It was a great time. It was a beautiful time. I was seven rows up in, the, in the, one of the end zones, and I never had so much fun ever. Yeah. We'll get to that game later. Oh, yes, we will. Let's actually get to the game as we go forward right now. So the over-under, uh, I don't know if we already said this, but the over-under was 50 and a half, which obviously the over hit. And the line was for Dallas Cowboys. It was for minus four and a half going towards the Cowboys. But as kickoff was approaching, it did get down towards three. So that's kind of like what, what Snacks was mentioning before. So that's where we were with that. Um, Snacks, did you bet on this game? Uh, no, I never, ever bet. You never bet on the Giants. the Giants play. No. Okay. Ever. Okay. Not, not an over under, not spread. No, never, ever, ever. Right. Ever. So do we want to ever. start with the, <laughs> thank you. Do, do we want to start with the Terrence Newman, uh, dropped interception? Is that where we want to start? Or do we want to start at some kind of earlier point? Cause we already touched on Ahmad Bradshaw, Carl, like the announcers, they didn't know probably took yeah, until maybe knew. the second quarter. Um, Carl Banks was even mentioning throughout the game, like, oh, yeah, Bradshaw's healthy. Everyone's healthy. I don't know what's going on. You know, where was the guy that came out there the first snap of the game? So is is there a point that we want to start maybe because we already touched on that one point? I have a real quick point. Our defense was on the field for the first possession. Dallas got the ball first. The defense forced a three and out. And I think that was the last three and out this defense has ever forced. <laughs> From then to present day. Just saying. Go ahead, just saying. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I want I want to mention about that first defensive possession um, is something we have not addressed. Among the many people the Giants were missing in this game, OCU Manure was also one of them. And OCU Manure at this point is is a premier pass rusher and yep. and a premier playmaker maker. on the Giants' defensive line. And you're without him. The injuries really piled up on this football team. Also, this game marks the emergence of one Chase Blackburn. He returns for the first time. This is the first game Chase Blackburn plays. Wow, I think we were so de- we were so desperate for linebackers for years. I could have played linebacker on that team. Forgot I forgot to do this. I forgot to do this as as we started talking about the first drive. We're not going to go drive for drive if that's what you're thinking. But I forgot to do this again. This is the deficits of doing this for the first time. We'll get into a flow of how we want to do this. But I want to just go through all the scoring plays of this game. Just quickly retell them 
to kind of like, okay, this is the score, maybe at the end of the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, just to get you refreshed as, as you know, obviously we just rewatched the game, but you didn't. So in the first quarter, the first score of the game was actually a safety. Tony Romo was sacked in the end zone by JPP. Then Lawrence Tynes hit a 23-yard field goal. And then Tony Romo threw a touchdown pass to John Phillips, and that was the end of the first quarter. So the end of the first quarter, the score was 7-5. Dallas had the lead. Odd score. It's like a baseball score. Second quarter, Brandon Jacobs, one-yard rush. Now, Snacks, I'm going to quiz you. What was the significance of that Brandon Jacobs one-yard rush? At I know, two, I kind know, of like I know. Towards the beginning of the second quarter, but no. But Snacks is the big Brandon Jacobs guy, so he has to tell me. Brandon Jacobs scored the touchdown and ran to the right side of the end zone and did his humping dance on the <laughs> Dallas star. Yes, yes, that and is I made true. a gif out of that. But and what yes, else was significant did. about the touchdown? Whoa. Um, oh, no. You're wait, the wait, biggest wait, wait. Brandon Jacobs fan out there. I am. I am. It, it, it couldn't have been the, the franchise leader in touchdowns, right? Uh, uh, close. You're right on it. Uh, he basically wanted- got it. Justin, let's well, just let's just tell yeah, him. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell me. He tied. He tied the franchise That's record. That's right. Tied, yes, touchdowns. yes, you're right. You're so right. with how many? Fifty-five. There you go. Fifty-five. All right. So then Tony Romo threw another touchdown pass to Lawrence Robertson. Lawrence Tynes put a 26-yard field goal up with about a minute left. How they got the ball back with close to like you know towards the two-minute warning in the first half is a funny little moment. We'll play that in a bit. And then to cap off the end of the first half, Dane Bailey hit a 49-yard field goal, which sucks for Dan Bailey because wasn't oh no it was a 47-yard field goal that he capped off the game right? It was 47 yards. So yes, but it was 47. Still, tough, tough look for Dan Bailey that he actually hits two consecutive 49-yard field goals to even start off in the middle of the third quarter and that was the next Cowboys score so towards the middle of the third quarter the score is 15 to 20 it is Dallas's lead towards the end of the third quarter Mario Manningham caught a wide open 47 yard touchdown from Eli Manning to make the score 22 to 20 Giants had the lead towards the end of the third quarter heading into the fourth quarter Giants had the lead but Dallas Cowboys Miles Austin Six-yard pass from Tony Romo made the score 22-27. to Des Bryant, huge play, 50-yard pass. Uh, touchdown from Tony Romo made the score 22-34. to With about five and a half minutes left, the Giants were down by two scores, but it was Jake Ballard, beautiful eight-yard touchdown catch from Eli to make the score 29-34. to Brandon Jacobs, <laughs> they, they somehow got the ball back after a terrible Tony Romo throw. And after Miles Austin couldn't catch that key third down catch, we will play that sound bite. And then Brandon Jacobs put the puts the icing on the cake with a one-yard rush with 46 seconds to go to make the game 37-34. to And what's not included in the scoring is obviously the Dan Bailey missed field goal. That ended the game. And then there you go, fellas. That's, that's this game. Do we want to actually get into these sound bites and get into some of these moments that you guys Let's have do written it. down? Let's, do, Let's it. do it. I, I think I'd like to. Although there was one thing you had mentioned earlier that you wanted to get the Terrence Newman pick six was going to be the first thing mm-hmm. you wanted to do. You made it. You did make a little a little video this afternoon of Brandon Jacobs hurdling Gerald Sensible, and that happens on yes. the first drive. Yes, Brandon Jacobs yes. was a nimble large man. There also became a point in Brandon Jacobs' career where guys were just taking out his fucking knees and ankles so much, so he's just like, "Fuck this! I ain't getting hit. I ain't getting hit down here anymore." And so he Gerald hurdling people. Gerald Sensabaugh and Terrence Newman for the Cowboys collectively, I think, in the last four weeks of the season, got hurled five times by Giants players because nice. Terrence Newman gets hurled two yeah. times on the New Year, in the New Year's 
New Year's Day was it? Was that New Year's Day? Yeah, the New Year's Day game in in uh, in MetLife. And Gerald Sensible, I think, gets hurdled twice in this game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he did. Dude, Jacobs, his first carry, he hurdled over Sensible. He it's got a first incredible. Down. His first carry. I love it. I Jacobs love it. was so good this game. He was so good. He had some tough nitty-gritty runs when he found open space. I mean, Snacks, I'm going to have you reflect on this because, you know, again, you're, you're, the biggest, you're the biggest Brandon Jacobs fan. I did. I threw him a retirement party. Did you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. T- tell us this story. You have you have 15 seconds to tell this story. Okay, I used to throw parties at my house, like back in high school and everything, like after high school and whatnot. When he retired, I loved Brandon Jacobs so much. Everybody knew that that I threw him a retirement party, and he answered me on Twitter. He goes, because I asked him to come. He goes, if I was still living in NJ, I would be there, bro. Thanks so much. Wow. And we threw we threw him a retirement party. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. But he was in he was in Atlanta at the time, so it, it didn't Atlanta. work out. But tell me, because there was there was this game where when Jacobs got going downhill, you know, and you know what I mean by downhill. Oh, you I know, know, when he when he when he gets going, you know, kind of like on these some of these outside outside rush plays, maybe he bounces it to the outside and whatnot if nothing's there over the middle, and he just gets rumbling and he gets going. It's one of the most beautiful and awesome sights to see. And the dude can move when he gets when he gets when he gets going on the outside like that. He can really move. So so tell us reflect on that a little bit. It's like porn. You know what I mean? It's like wow. fo- it's like fo- it's like football porn watching Brandon Jacobs bust to the outside and probably barrel move over in a the open field and, and just yeah. just go. And and the first thing that I think of when I hear about Jacobs in the open field and running on the sideline is that that Falcons game and, and that that playoff game a few weeks after this game where he, he runs right up the sideline and scores a Giants touchdown to, to continue the blowout. But you're so right. It was like a thing of beauty. Everybody thinks of Brandon Jacobs getting the ball running right up the center's ass and just barreling over a linebacker for four yards. No, this guy could move. He was agile. He was swift. He was he was a very, very big boy. He was a left tackle playing the running back position at a very athletic pace. So you're right. I love Brandon Jacobs. I always have. I always will. One of the best Giants ever. I said it. Well, and what's interesting is I, I swear we're gonna we're gonna get into into the game. This is this needs to be our last point before we actually start talking about the game. Coming into this game, Giants fans, and you know who you are if you were one of the ones who did this at home games were booing Brandon Jacobs. Disgusting, because disgusting. Earlier earlier in the season, he had complained about not getting carries and not seeing the ball and not seeing the field. And Justin, you alluded to this earlier when you talked about how he was averaging less than 10 carries a game. So as Ahmad Bradshaw went in and out of getting hurt this season, Brandon Jacobs kind of saw sporadic time on the field, sporadic lengths of time on the field, that earlier in the season, as he would be running poorly or dropping a pass, MetLife was booing him. And I mean viciously booing him. If you if you want to see what I'm talking about, go back to like... Uh, they played the uh, they played the Dolphins at home earlier in the season. Uh, they played the Bills yeah. earlier at home this season. Watch those games. The fans were ruthless to Brandon Jacobs, and he comes through here, gives it his all, and obviously, you know, the rest is history. But it's just so but, disappointing me that any fan could ever boo Brandon Jacobs. He he like to me he epitomizes what you want in a giant player. He loved the organization. He loved being a part of this. He talked shit to every opponent that we ever played. Like we'll go back and watch the Jets game from this same year where he went after Rex Ryan. Like he epitomized Giants football, tough, hard nose, do whatever it takes. The fact that people booed him makes me sick. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's, let's do this. 
Yeah, so what we're going to start off first, we're going to I'm going to play the sound bite and I'm going to play the uh the the drop and all these drops they're going to differentiate between Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth from the Sunday Night Football broadcast or they may even go to the the Cowboys home radio telecast broadcast because it's and really funny to... listening to them be upset. <laughs> and this is what this first sound bite is, but then also we'll play some Bob Papa and Carl Banks and also even one of our sound bites has the has the Spanish uh, Telemundo uh, call. So <laughs> let's listen let's listen to this one first and then I'll lead into a conversation about how the Giants should have really technically never won this game. <laughs> this is the this is the second Giants offensive drive of the game. Second and nine at the Dallas 37 straight eye formation. Manning back throws the ball right here. Oh, Newman dropped the ball. He had the 40 yard line. He had 60 yards of green in front of him. Oh, Terrence Newman. <laughs> Merciful heavens. You're not going to get an easier interception, Brad, and you're not going to get an easier touchdown. This one was to the house, and he just drops it. Victor Cruz, the wow. intended receiver. Newman just jumped that route, and I'm telling you. Mercy, mercy, mercy. The last time these two teams... Mercy, mercy, mercy. 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 You love it. You <laughs> love to see it. You love to see it. And that was like, that was huge. That was huge really early in this game because the last thing you need is that kind of crowd because I, I think later on in this broadcast, they talk about how uh, this was the third largest crowd in, in the history of Jerry World and, and only followed by the game by the opening game against the Giants and um, a game against the Eagles. The last thing you need is this crowd getting crazy, a pick six. You know, Eli, Eli was lo- – people love to hate Eli, uh, you know, at this point in his career. So that drop is huge. And Terrence Newman just was awful against the Giants, always, constantly. And it was really funny. So, David, it's actually kind of a good thing. You know, if we're, if we're looking at hindsight's twenty twenty, right, and a point that you two had – to me while we were talking about this game before we actually came on was this idea that the Giants should have like not won this game. Nope. <laughs> the Gi- there were plenty of opportunities, you know, whether it, it, it even started from the first quarter that the Cowboys should have really taken a hold of this game. We and should have lost why this game are- so many times. And why I say that this was kind of a good thing for the Giants that the you know they uh, that Terrence Newman dropped this interception, not only because it saved seven points, but it directly led to this. Cowboys going out of huddle. Romo rushed from behind and is uh, sack. Get out of the end zone, Tony. He's up now. The sack is the sack. It's in the end zone. It's a safety. Romo started to go down at the two. Then he was being forced to the ground. He got up. He tried to maintain his balance. And when he lost his footing, finally he fell down in the end zone. Jason Pierre-Paul beat Doug Free, and the Giants lead the game two nothing. How pathetic is it that? You are a professional broadcaster, and you are yelling at a player to do something that you don't <laughs> want them to do. What, what? Get out of the end zone, Tony. Uh, David, you were you were the one to snack that to snatch that up for me. Oh my god! It what? was hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah, it really and, is, and it's because I feel like it's one thing. Like if you hear an announcer say, you know, oh, what was that guy doing? Like what? Are, you know, what are you thinking? The way he said it really made you feel like he thought that maybe Tony Romo heard him. Maybe maybe oh Romo heard him and therefore would get out of the end zone. Oh but, of course, he doesn't get out of the end zone and uh, Giants lead to nothing. An unsung hero here we're probably not going to talk about again the rest of this game, so this is a good opportunity to do it. Can we talk about how good Steve Weatherford was for the Giants in 2011? Oh, you, you, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> 
I'm done. I'm sorry. That was Smith. my unsung hero. Oh, <laughs> I am really sorry. <laughs> oh, saving that for the third segment. Snacks um, had the snacks not his guy. I can't really save oh, it man. now. Oh wow. <laughs> well, I'll just say yeah, my but- unsung hero was Steve Weatherford. He pinned them every single time, and he should have had it at the one yard line if Michael St- Thomas could stay out of the end zone. Oh yeah, that's right. You remember that that's his right. foot was on the end zone. They blo- he like stopped it at the one, but he made or later made up for it in the uh, NFC Championship game. So yeah, yes he did. So I want to play this next soundbite. I'm going to be jumping to uh, the second half, but I want to talk about JPP. While he had that safety, uh, I want to talk about JPP, but Carl Banks is going to touch on him a little bit more too. I said JPP and touch in the same sentence, and it sounded weird. This will be the Cowboys' longest third down attempt of the night. Third and nine for their own 46. Two receivers left, two to the right. Quan Williams covering Witten. Quan Williams. Romo is back. He's under pressure and he gets sacked. Back at the 42-yard line by Jason Pierre-Paul, his second of the game. This kid comes to play, Bob. You can say what you want about the rest of them. This kid comes to play. His individual effort is beating the double teams. He was double teamed on that. He took an inside move split the two guys and make the sack. So this game, Pierre Paul had eight combined tackles, six solo, two quarterback hits, one forced fumble, two total sacks. Now, and a blocked field goal. And a, yeah, how can I forget that? Reflecting on what the Giants needed this offseason, especially, you know, we're talking about Isaiah Simmons. We're talking about the Giants need athletes on the defensive side of the ball, correct? And yep. how we're evaluating linebackers, especially these linebackers. Can they go sideline to sideline? The Giants just need athletes who are freakish, who are fast, that they can tackle, they can run, they're fast, they're quick, blah, 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 blah. Jason Pierre-Paul, as a 4-3 defensive end, he's not, he wasn't, again, we were running a 4-3 with uh, Perry Fuel and, you know, 0-17 with Spags. That was all a 4-3. It wasn't until better that the Giants transformed and they transferred to this new 3-4 edge rusher, outside linebacker business with, you know, your big interior defensive linemen that are, you know, that are, you know, your bigger guys. But JPP as a 4-3 defensive end was everything you wanted or is everything that you want your modern day, like almost interior linebacker to be. There were plays where he, they would run to the other side of the football field. And this is in 2011 specifically, 2010, 2011, 2012 JPP, Definitely 2011, maybe maybe 2012 he kind of slowed down a little bit. But this season in this football game, JPP put himself on the map because there would be running plays where they are running to the opposite side of the football field, and JPP is chasing it down, and he is making plays. He is everything that you would want almost a linebacker to be for your team. He can go sideline to sideline, but he did it as a 4-3 defensive end. He does Un- just that in this game. man. He forces, yes. he forces a fumble by doing exactly what you described, coming across the entire field, coming from behind, which defensive linemen don't tackle from behind. Now, that's no. not something a running back's ready for. But no, he, he, just absolutely incredible. So I'm glad Carl Banks had that observation so I can also back it up a little bit. Um, I'm chewing <laughs> a piece of ice right now. Nice. Snacks. Um, that's not, that's right, not anyway. an approved, uh, that's not approved regulation snack. Sorry. Hate to tell you. Ice chewing ice is not an approved regulation. That's snack. ridiculous. No, it's, no, it's water. It's absurd. That's not. That's not. All right, let's keep moving. Justin, you're let's over 21 moving. years old. 
is there anything else that we want to get to? Um, David, I, I want you to preface this, uh, oh my goodness, uh, he has the ball soundbite. The the Giants obviously are, are, are go up 2 nothing. They end up going up 5 nothing thanks to a field, Lawrence field goal. Two quick up, two quick observations. Uh, there's an Eli Manning to Hakeem Nicks throw on that that offensive drive post the safety. After the safety, they get the ball. Eli Manning goes 64 yards to Hakeem Nicks. First of all, Hakeem Nicks was fantastic in this game. He has, I think, eight catches for 164 year, yards. Yeah. The Giants have the ball. First and goal at the five. Do you know what those next three offensive plays were, thanks to Kevin Gilbride? Two Those fades and a draw. A fade to Hakeem Nix, a fade oh. to Travis Beckham. Travis Beckham. Oh, and a draw God. from the five. That and is classic we, we, Kevin Gilbride. And we classic. kick a field goal. We kick a field goal from before. So that's that's my first comment um about that next drive. And then on the following drive, so the Giants are now at five to nothing. The following drive, DeMarco Murray breaks his ankle. And yeah. This was like a huge, huge deal when when it, when this happens. Obviously, guy hurts it hurts himself. It's bad, but for the Cowboys, again, we prefaced by saying this team was coming in extremely healthy, and by the middle of the first quarter, they've now lost their running back, who's been setting the league on fire. Felix Jones, who lost the starting job earlier in the season, is now thrust into. Um, into you know being the bell cow, he's he's the only running back on the roster at this point. <laughs> on the I think like the either the next play or two plays later, he rips off like a forty-five yard run, and that is the most giant thing to do ever. Team loses their their really good running back. You put in the backup who has already been bad this season, and Felix Jones goes off in this game, which I think is ridiculous. He did. Those, he really those, did go off. Those are my those are my statements. Um, Tony Romo obviously then later on that drive where Demarco Murray hurts himself ends up throwing a touchdown uh, to some guy I've never heard of, uh, and it's now seven to five Cowboys. And now the Giants have trailed every game this season. All right, so we're moving into the second quarter. Preface us with our next soundbite. We are the Cowboys have the ball um, deep in their own territory that put them there. It was it was another good Steve Weatherford punt that that put them there. Felix Jones is now the ball carrier, not DeMarco Murray. And Felix Jones uh, is a run to the right side. Obviously, that's opposite JPP's side. And this is pretty much – this is right before the half. There's a minute and 40 seconds left in the half. Giants are trailing 14 to 12. Um, And the Cowboys' offense has really been – has been clicking. These last two drives, they've scored on each of the last two drives with long drives. And – Things are kind of getting out of control. You can feel it getting a little out of control for the Giants. They're not finishing drives. And JPP forces a fumble with a minute and 40 seconds left deep in Giants territory. Justin, play the clip. So realistically, like David, why why I think we we kind of like that moment is because the the Cowboys announcer basically say, "Oh my goodness, I have the ball <laughs> again." Just oh, showing yeah, the completely. true and, uh, the true and utter professionalism of these Cowboys announcers. So 
where do we where do we want to go? Do we, do we want to jump to the jump to the second half? Do we want to because that was the end of the first? Well, half another we... highlight here: the the the, the Giants' uh-huh. red zone offense is awful. They get they get the ball on the ten yard line thanks to that fumble, and they kick a field goal. It's fifteen fourteen going. In, no, it's not even fifteen fourteen going into half because then this as as Snacks has so endearingly pointed out, the the Giants' defense is awful, atrocity, and they. Allow a, a beautiful one minute drive by Tony Romo. Cowboys get a yeah. field goal. So we're now looking at a 17 15 game Cowboys going into the half. And it's actually, funny at this point, they did the same they did the same thing last week to Aaron Rodgers, where they just let him go down in a yeah. in a minute and just kick yeah. field goal and then they won. And at this point, the the total yard uh total yard battle is New York Giants two hundred and six, Dallas Cowboys two hundred and four. Very even mm. game to this point. Nice tidbit. Thank you. The rushing difference was the biggest thing, though. Oh yeah, completely. R- r- the break, the the ratio to passing yards and rushing yards—that was the biggest thing. Because I think the Giants had some like 146 passing yards. <clears throat> uh, so that was that again the arm of Eli Manning. So we're moving to the second half. Where where do we want to go? Because the next soundbite that I have is uh, Eli uh, Mario Manningham is absolutely wide open for his for his big touchdown. So I don't think we want to go there. Is there any place that we want to touch on beforehand? And actually, that forty-nine yard field goal, um, just I think this is a really, that's a really big play, a uh, big drive in this game because the Cowboys go on an eight-minute drive. Um, yes. The Giants go three and out on their first their first possession of the second half, and the Cowboys go on I think it was like seven minute and forty something second um, drive, and they only manage a field goal. That's that's really big. That that's the difference between twenty to fifteen and twenty four to fifteen is. Massive. Really, really big in really, really big in this game. Every point matters. So the fact that the defense buckled down and bent, they bent but didn't break. Whew. Whew. Yeah, that was it's, it's huge. For once, for once, for once. So, yeah. so we, so we moved to the next drive, and then this is what we got. We got some fun calls on a Mario Manningham touchdown. Third and five of the Dallas forty-seven. Giants down by five. Manning back to throw. Zips one to the left, wide open, Manningham at the 25, to the 20, to the 10. He'll walk in for the touchdown. Wide open. And a flag comes in late. Taunting, maybe? Yeah, so that was a taunting penalty on Victor Cruz, and it was like unnecessary. You know, they, I think they might have called it unnecessary roughness at the time, whatever that's actually, whatever the lingo is. But Bob Papa commits, uh, no, not Bob Papa. Carl Banks. Carl Banks commits a, like, mortal sin for being a color analyst because as the ball is in the air, I'll probably clip it again um, in post-editing. But as the ball is in the air, Carl Banks says, wide open. Manning back to throw. Zips one to the left. Wide open, Manning him at the 25. Now, if you're listening on the radio, which that's what Bob Papa and Carl Banks, they're broadcasting on, they're broadcasting on the radio. If you're listening on the radio, you don't know that Mario Manningham is wide open. So Bob Papa is saying the ball is in the air. And then you, you, nobody knows. That's so uh, like that absolutely bugs me. And I'm the only person again that is going to nitpick and critique these these radio these these announcers because I think it's such an art. And when you do it correctly, it's such an art. But what are you doing, Carl Banks? The ball's in the air. We don't know that he's. You could see that he's wide open. We don't know that. So then you just give it away. Bugs me. I'm sorry, Justin. Probably not the most finest moment. Yeah, but Paul O'Neill does the same thing to uh to Michael K on the Yankee telecast and the Yankee broadcast. Like it'll be the crack of the bat, and then Paul O'Neill will go, "See ya." 
<laughs> High drive. Yeah, literally. Are there any other points that anybody wants to bring up about the Manningham touchdown? So, so where what's what are, what are we at score wise right now? Uh, with the Mary Manningham touchdown, the Giants now lead twenty two to twenty. Which uh, we're yeah, losing I have, the third quarter. Winning. I have a question. We're up twenty. Manningham scores and it's 21 20. 22. Well, no, I understand. That's after the extra point, though. Why I were they not so. going oh. for two? I, I don't understand. Maybe maybe analytics and stuff says that it's the book. You know, the book, how they it's this isn't even analytics, but uh, maybe it is. But you know how they always refer, refer to it in the, in the broadcast booth about the book? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Maybe, but that just did the book, th- did there the book is say no, to go for it? There's no possible sense in the fact that you're you're not going for two there none maybe they just figured you know it's early in the game still you're, you're i understand that but third that quarter. one that one point probably isn't going to make that big of a difference because if dallas scores if they don't get it it's 21 20 dallas scores goes for two you're only down a touchdown an extra point but snacks you have to think about it this way too and david already mentioned this the giants struggled in the red zone so if you're it, putting them at the at the three yard line you know and they can't run the ball because they, I, they just I, can't. I, listen, yeah, I get and all that. You need, what... And you need the arm of Eli Manning to spread the field out. And, you know, as we just know, spreading out the field in the red zone is not the most optimal thing to do just because the field is a lot shorter. For so, sure. I, I, un, I understand that. It just does not make any sense from a football logistics standpoint. Hey, but you want to know what? If Dallas made that field goal at the, at the end of the game, they would have won the game instead of tied it. It, it, but it's all semantical. It's all semantics. It's in the moment kind of thing. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Let me let me ask you both. This is a, a hypothetical situation. Between the years of 2009 and 2015, Giants need a two point conversion. What player are they going to run? Draw. <laughs> to who? <laughs> DJ Ware. A draw to DJ Ware. That was the two point conversion play for six years. It almost always worked. But the, I think I would be – I am convinced that the answer to that question is Kevin Gilbride had one two-point conversion play, and they figured they might they might have needed it later in the game because if you if we understand later it in the game – It did work in this game. It yeah. works in this game after the final touchdown. That I, would be listen, my guess. I, so there you go, Snacks. That's, that's really, really pissed piss poor okay <laughs> that is piss piss poor because there is no reason whatsoever that we should not have gone for two there none you will well, never get you're you such a never change you're such mind. a nitpicky nancy well you'll Justin, never you're change not my serious. mind continue continue well so so the giants are now up 22 to 20 not 23 to 20 they're up 22 this is to when, 20 this is, this is when it all unravels go ahead uh, yeah and, and from here on out things get things get ugly Things get really ugly, and and this fourth quarter should have ended the Giants' season. You're not wrong. Do we? Can we skip the part where the Cowboys actually like take the lead, and can we go right to, um, can we go well, right just, to where Tony Romo? Yeah, actually... that's fine. I, there was just there was really just one play that we should talk about from that, or two plays because I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I'm sorry. Um, Des breaks wide open like. Broken coverage. Yeah, it's fifty yards. Yeah, That's yeah, the second yeah. one. They, he was why it was second one, but they the Giants tried to run a screen, which they they haven't done since Vietnam as well, and it gets batted and intercepted. So it's just all, all yeah. shit. Yeah, and this is also come that came. So that was a 
by the way, a beautiful play by Sean Lee. If anybody wants to see like the like the most athletic yeah, it was, it was. linebacker play, look up this this Sean Lee interception in the middle of the fourth quarter of this game. It was beautiful. Before that happens, you also have a, a seventy-four yard completion to um how do you say it? Is it Laurent? Laurent Robinson? Yeah. Yeah, Laurent Robinson. Who, for like the span of two years, was the biggest Giants killer on the planet. If you remember the 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 following season, 2012, they opened up at home against Dallas, and Laurent Robinson goes off. Went absolutely, went insane. That's that's an aside. So yeah, Laurent Robinson th- has a big completion. Miles Austin gets a touchdown, so the return of Miles Austin, um, you know, was big for the Cowboys. And then you have this pick by Sean Lee, ends a good Giants drive. And right after it, literally 30 seconds after that pick, Des Bryant's wide open for a 50-yard touchdown. And it's 30 – before you know it, it's 34-22, and the season's over. There, there's – Yeah, you think it's there's, over. There's five and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Giants haven't scored in in a full quarter. And the game's over. You've now given up 121 points in three games, and the, the season should be over. It literally should. There was no business of us winning this game. But from here on out, Eli Manning goes seven of ten with two touchdowns. Yeah, no, I remember touchdown. at Take that, that point. Um, I remember at that yeah because it was uh, Jacobs, was Jacobs, run, and then yeah. DJ Ware. But I remember at that point after that Des Bryant touchdown, I you just felt defeated. And there, you know, there have been plenty of times where you know e- even even in the midst of you know we winning the two Super Bowls and stuff like that. There were times where we had some, you know, you feel decent Giants teams, some five, six, seven win Giants teams, especially in that stretch of, you know, Tom Coughlin's later years and whatnot, where you feel like the team's good and, you know, Eli's had good seasons, but they just haven't been able to put it together because the football team just as a whole wasn't that great. And let's face it, this 2011 team, they were not a very good football team, but it was the arm of Eli Manning. But anyway, I just remember feeling defeated totally totally defeated I, I kept that game on thank god i kept that game on but thank oh god my gosh right. that was just such a such a defeating game so then that that drive that same drive uh after des bryant scores that touchdown it leads to a jake ballard eight yard touchdown which that was an immaculate drive but you still feel like after that point we're not feeling like we're back in the game right we're not no, no not at all no there's still so much obstacle the defense needs to make a stop was anybody confident in that the cowboys just Scored two touchdowns and basically two different plays that went over 50 yards. There's no way you get a stop here. There's there's no way. Yeah, so that next drive, uh, this is what happens after the Jake Ballard touchdown. They had to use the earlier timeout. They're down to one plus the two-minute warning, and Romo's going to throw and too deep for Austin. Austin had beaten the coverage. Fourth down, it works out perfectly for the Giants. They'll get the ball back. They only had to use one timeout, and they have a ton of time left. Oh, they showed their blitz. Romo exposed them on the blitz. He knew he had one-on-one coverage right down the field here. Absolutely wide open. No way in the world can Tony Romo miss that throw. It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Boys, at their own 25. Romo out of a shotgun set. Giants show blitz in the gap with Boley and Williams. Here they come. Romo back. Lobs one right. Austin can't get it. Oh, he beat Aaron Ross, and he was gone. But Romo overthrew him by a hair. Boy, they had the right look. 
The right call. Ross was beat <laughs> did the from Gi the gate. Did the Giants stop him or did Dallas stop themselves? Dallas stopped themselves. That's how you do a professional fucking call. <laughs> That's how you and I'm here smiling. I'm here smiling listening to this. You know, even though you know, even though it's like, oh, you know, the Giants should have lost this game and we've detailed all these reasons why. And you know, oh Brandon you know, sure, Brandon Jacobs had a good game and it was the arm of Eli Manning. He had some turnovers, sure. Dallas, you know, they were even with Felix Jones, they were running the ball well. They had all these huge big plays, but still, isn't it like the most Dallas Cowboy thing? To, to lose this game in this kind of way. Tony Romo's electric the entire night, and he misses one throw, and that's the reason why they basically almost lose the division. I'm, I'm just smiling. My notes have a timestamp, 225 fourth quarter, and all it says, and I know exactly what this means, is Romo with a, quote, Romo moment. That's all it says. That's all, that's all you need to say. It's a Romo moment. It really was, wasn't it? What a loser. Romo moment. And the thing is, is that Tony Romo was kind of really good. <laughs> oh, he was great. That's the thing. He but he really just had these moments. He just had these moments where. He's a pussy. That just. Yeah. There you go, Snacks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. It was those moments that just killed him. So results of a punt. And at this point, you know, two minutes and 20 seconds left. Giants officially get the ball back. I don't know. With about two minutes and 10 seconds left. You're feeling they're back in the game. Like, it's like, yes, okay, we're back in the game. At that point, yes. You get the ball back with just over two minutes to go. Um, I think we had they had one timeout at this point. I'm, I want to I, – we might talk a little more about the drive specifically, but I, 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 I wrote down the, the list of plays on this, on this drive. And just listen to this. How, like, how good Eli Manning is. First play, Jake Bauer, 21 yards, first down. First and 10. Kevin Booth – shoots the snap over the moon mm -hmm. above Eli Manning's head. <laughs> Eli Manning gets on the ball. This game at that point should be over, but DeMarcus Ware has his second offsides in, I think, two drives. He had an offsides on the previous drive that extended a drive. He goes offsides, play doesn't count. Following play, 15 yards to Victor Cruz. Following play was a, a wide, not wide open, but a beautifully thrown touchdown to Mary Manningham that just, I just dropped it. The purest drop you'll ever see. Second and 10, Cowboys have a defensive holding. Next play, Jake Ballard, 20 yards to the one-yard line. Just like that, they're on the one-yard line. It's that fast. It's three completions with a drop touchdown in there. And the Giants have gone 40-some-odd yards all behind Eli Manning. And, and there's no he gets no help. Every throw had to be perfect, and even when it was perfect, it wasn't always completed. He was fantastic. And uh, and I'm even thinking back to that game against the Patriots in Foxborough where, J where Jake Ballard had like the helmet catch 2.0 down the field and it was an insane throw but also an insane catch. Where the hell is Jake Ballard when it's not the fourth quarter? And I'm not saying that Jake Ballard was a bad player. He was a really good <laughs> no. player for us that year. But you know, all in all of these clutch moments, it's Eli to Jake Ballard. And it always seems to be with, when there's like such a lack of separation and Eli Manning needs to put the ball exactly where he needs to be. And Jake Ballard was a guy that literally everything he did, every pass he caught, everything, it just looked so difficult and in slow motion. <laughs> like he never caught the ball with his hands. It was always in his chest and he would just fall down. Like he was just such the epitome of an average tight end. Average is probably putting it, you know, kindly. And Eli made it work. That was the magic of 2011 Eli.
So Brandon Jacobs punches it in, one-yard touchdown. We have the lead, two-point attempt. We already broke down that two-point that two-point attempt conversion on that draw to DJ Ware. So 51 seconds are left. Was there any doubt in your mind? There was no <laughs> doubt in my mind that this defense was going to let that offense run right up the field to, to get in field goal range. No doubt I in distinctly, I distinctly remember where I was watching this. I was watching in my in my living room with my dad, and I distinctly remember knowing exactly what was coming. Like to a T, what was coming. So what I'm going to play now. This is going to be. This is going to be. I don't know about a few minutes, but it's going to be a little bit. Cowboys drive down the field. Yada yada yada. Blocked field goal. Now something to import that's important to include is that Tom Coughlin did ice the kicker, which I want to talk about it afterwards because you're going to hear, you're going to hear the Dallas Cowboys home tele the home broadcast the radio broadcast you're going to hear them talk about it but i think i put bob papa's call first because it's just the best because he is the fucking best what's your best block play you got somebody that can rise up make the play it's called individual effort which guy will step up and beat their man and that last series on the, the pass rush you had guys that were kind of standing there here's Bailey for a 47 yarder with six seconds to go to send or to tie the game up he gets set McBriar to hold snap is good again kick on its way and it's blocked blocked by the Giants and it bounds into the end zone and through the back of the end zone and the Giants will win it individual rose up and the New York Giants have saved their season what a line as they come to yeah. Dallas and defeated the Cowboys. There's one second remaining. Don't know which giant blocked it, but whoever it was came up like a giant there. The skid is Came up like a giant. Timeout, New York. New York used their third and final timeout. And this is the one that we thought Wizenhunt did last week, yeah. that it turned out that uh, Garrett did, but that we agreed. This is the dumbest rule. Please, a, yeah, just get rid of it. stop that. And, and it, you can easily legislate it by saying in the last two minutes of the game, timeout can only be called by somebody on the field. What a bunch of assholes. A 47-yard <laughs> kick. <laughs> And that's why I, I laughed at everybody that said Jason Garrett iced his kicker. Oh, you know, you expect, these guys expect it. It's not like Dan Bailey didn't know he was kicking the game winner last week. It's not like he doesn't know he's not kicking the game tire <laughs> today. <laughs> Take two. Damn. Snap and hold. Kicks low. They took ah, it at the line suck. of scrimmage, and the Cowboys are going to lose <laughs> oh, the game. Oh, it's so demoralizing. Kick never got up in the air. The kick never got up in the air. <laughs> I didn't see. It is. I didn't see it get touched. Yeah, it got, oh, it got touched. But it had to. Yeah. Bailey. Morning, see, now this is enthusiasm. Jerry Jones, get it ready. El nieto de Jerry Jones se tapa los ojos, vikingo. La patada va a venir en camino. Primero el saque desde la yarda 37, o sea, de 47 yardas para empatar el encuentro. La patada es bloqueada. No, no puedo creerlo. Por segunda semana consecutiva, los Cowboys después de haber anotado el gol de campo para ganar. I don't know what Wonderful. he said. I don't know what he says after the Cowboys because he says Los Cowboys, and that's what my high school Spanish taught me. But my guess is that he said the Cowboys suck and they always will suck. That that's what I'm going with. I'm not sure though. Yes, that's what I'll think. I concur. 
And now you can't convince me otherwise. All right, so you want to know what we're quickly going to do to end our time here? Giant shithead of the week. Quickly, who we got? Ahmad Bradshaw. Mm, that's Whoa! Fair. That's definitely harsh. Fair. Well, harsh. I, I in a in a must win game, and he's going out and getting disciplinary action and not being available, yeah. and with being one of our best offensive players, I I think he's in the doghouse for the, for this game. I could yeah. also say Kevin Booth yeah. because he sucks. But um, I mean, he's got a fat ass. He has a very fat ass. The fattest. He's a thick <laughs> that, boy. That guy That's eats a, a lot boy. of cheeseburgers. And they go oh, yeah. all to his ass. <laughs> but uh, as someone who loved the Ma Bradshaw, I'm very disappointed in rewatching this game, remembering that he was not there to help his football team in a must-win game. So I'm giving him my shithead and it has nothing to do with his play on the field because he barely played. Uh, my shithead is going to be Mario Manningham. Um, he Yes, he had a touchdown, but it was the most wide-open touchdown you could possibly have. So I don't give him really credit for that. He did have, like we said a minute ago, he had a dropped touchdown. It was a perfect, perfect ball in between two guys. Dropped what would have been the game-winning touchdown. And I think what we what we missed was on Eli Manning's previous touchdown, he tied the NFL record for touchdowns in the fourth quarter. If Mario Manningham catches that ball and 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 that's a touchdown, Eli Manning would own the 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 NFL record for touchdowns thrown in the fourth quarter. And I don't believe he actually gets there in the next three games. I don't believe he gets there. So Mario Manningham, thanks, but he made up for it in the postseason, though. He had a, he had a touchdown catch in every single game of the postseason besides the Super Bowl. but we all know what he did in the Super Bowl, So we made it up. So we made up for it. I, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying that he, for this game, he's my shithead because he, he's whole, he did not allow Eli Manning to have an NFL record. There you go. Oh, what a, what an asshole. Um, my, my shithead, but I was originally going to absolutely destroy this man. My shithead is Mitch Petras, but I found out that he actually passed away in 2019 due to like a a heat stroke. So I'm not going to, but he had a putrid game. Like he just could not block a soul. So that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. My (laughs) game ball is going to Jason Pierre Paul. And I described all the reasons why in a little rant that I did earlier, who, who, uh, snacks, who's your game ball going to? Uh, my game ball is going to Brandon Jacobs. I could easily give it to Eli, but that's the obvious choice. Brandon Jacobs finally revived the Giants rushing attack that was dead all year. Um, Bradshaw was out, like we said before, and Jacobs took it upon himself to gain over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So, my man Brandon Jacobs, you get my game ball. Had the game-winning uh, touchdown, too, even yes, though it was one did. yarder. Yes, he did. You know, you know, analytics analytics would get really upset with me that I said that Brandon Jacobs got the game-winning touchdown because it was a one-yarder, and obviously, you know, it's the arm of Eli Manning that got him there to begin with, and technically Jake Ballard in that 18-yard gain to, to get them to the one-yard line should have, you know, analytics, that's what analytics would say, but Brandon Jacobs technically did score the game-winning touchdown. So, uh, yep. David, who's your uh, game ball? Game ball is going to go to Hakeem Nix uh, because... Oh, nobody's, nobody's saying Eli. Uh, well, well, I, it's just too obvious. It's just too obvious. Eli uh, gets our Eli gets our collective game ball. Collective the golden game, game ball. Yes. He gets the golden game ball. The golden uh, game ball. Hakeem Nix is going to get my personal game ball. Like I said, eight catches, 164 yards. Did not have a touchdown, but made constant, constant big plays in this game. Third down conversions. Victor Cruz, I think, had two catches the entire game. Mario Manningham had the one touchdown. Outside of that, basically nothing. And Jake Ballard didn't really show up to the fourth quarter. So this was the Hakeem Nick show for most of the most of the game, really. He just ended up not getting a touchdown. But 
had a really really big game um, so in good. what was a re- in what was a really really big season for him. All right, so fellas, we did it. We officially rewatched and talked about the 2011 Week 14 matchup against the Cowboys of Dallas. This was the game that basically kind of actually, you know what? I'm not going to say this is the game that inspired us and pushed us to our, to our Super Bowl victory because it technically started the week before against the Packers. That 38-35, we played, you know, toe to toe with. I believe that team went 15 and yeah, they were well, they went 15 and one that yes. year, I think, as a whole. Yep. So. It technically started with that, but the first win, and I think beating Dallas in Dallas, which, you know, there was a stretch of time, fellas, where we kind of owned Jerry World, and I would kind of like to work our way back to that. Um, We talked about the arm of Eli Manning and how much he didn't have around him, but I almost feel like we didn't even talk about it enough, um, even though we touched on it. So I kind of want to leave us with this one soundbite where Chris Collinsworth was talking about Eli Manning and just his performance that night. And that's going to be our outro. But are fellas, we going to close any... it on that? Yeah, I think we're going to close it on that. I feel like that's a good that's a good bow to put on this episode. Do you, does yeah. anybody have any final words? I mean, I just want to set the like just set the NFC East scene going forward. And again, just reiterate how important this game was. So now with this win, the Cowboys and the Giants are tied in the division at seven and six. The Giants actually now take a tiebreaker due to head-to-head matchups. So the Giants now lead the NFC East. They're both two and two in, in the division. Um, and they both have two more division games coming up. One is going to be against each other week 17. So, I mean, this game is just huge. And, and there are so many little, little plays in this game that I think you look at. And if they don't happen or they turn a different way or, you know, JPP doesn't get a fingernail on on this kick, Eli Manning has won Super Bowl mm-hmm. in, in his in his career. And, and he's widely considered probably for sure the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. And... And, and and I mean, this game is just this game epitomized that Giants team. It was not pretty. Um, it really wasn't even very good. They had every reason to lose this game, but Eli Manning told them that they weren't going to lose it. Amen, David. And they had every reason that year to be pretty much five and eleven, and they weren't. Eli put them on their back so many times, and you and good for this game. The defense stepped up when they absolutely had to. They got bailed out by an overthrow to Miles Austin. Um, but they put the clamps on when they had to. So just an exhilarating win that truly exemplified the 2011 New York Giants football season. All right, so that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to this episode. This was the first time that we did this, so uh, we promise it's going to be even better the next time that we do it. Hope you enjoyed. You will 100%, and I'm saying this not like I did in January, where you didn't hear for us for three months, you will be hearing from all of us soon. If anybody, if anybody has any has any suggestions for games we should listen to, comment. Yes, yeah, what games we should listen to? Please let us. We're, know. Look, we're looking five, for games to a, listen to. Watch leave a five star rating in the Apple Podcast app and tell us what games we should rewatch. Rewatch. It's a great so, idea. all right, Chris Collinsworth, take us away. Now this is as good a quarterback performance in the clutch with the season on the line as I have seen in a long, long time. Manningham drops what should have been the go-ahead touchdown. Doesn't phase Eli Manning. I don't think anything phases Eli Manning. Comes right back and does it again. He has been a one-man team this year. Remarkable. Eight lead changes in the game. Each of these teams with some dramatic, thrilling victories and some excruciating losses. But the Giants won. Haha. Peace.